0: With a a straw up its nose.
1: Yeah, I saw a video of it and it was really sad, and I had to like ply her out, and then when they pulled out, loads of blood came out its nose. Oh. It was really depressing.
0: Trying to cut back on my single use conversation. So, I recorded 100 conversations about climate breakdown and I've listened back and picked out all the parts that I want to reuse again and again. I've sorted the recyclables into different sections and I want to share them with you all here. There's a couple of unbeaked sweary words. I hope you don't mind. My climates and I recorded conversations where and when we could on the phone or on Skype, in lunch breaks and in stairwells. So, the sound quality varies. Bear with us. I promise the content is worth listening carefully to. Everyone's talking about packaging, particularly single-use plastic packaging. Pretty much everyone I spoke to mentioned it at some point. It's united us. Hooray! An environmental win, right? It's tangible. It's actionable. It's visible. I do wonder if it's a distraction from the bigger things in the conversation. Like the wrapper that your food arrives in is such a tiny part of the product's carbon footprint. But it is still annoying and definitely worth talking about. Do you talk to other people about climate change ever? Um, Only about plastic. It's it's just like about
2: the packaging in the shops. It's a co-op that we've got down here. Um, and it's just, like, the stuff that's wrapped in plastic. That doesn't need to be wrapped in plastic. Like, I don't need, like, a, my carrots in a bag when I can just put them into a basket. And, you know, all the apples that I got today, even the bananas were wrapped in plastic, and they were sweating inside the plastic as well. So it's that how good for, how good for the, like, the fruit is this even? Do you know? Um, so suppose, in a way, um, like, we all us individuals have responsibilities but actually it's also the manufacturers and the big comp- the, the, the companies that are making the food and processing the food that have got a huge responsibility as well about how they package it and handle it. Um, and I know a lot of the time it's just to add shelf life to the to the, the product so it, it'll last longer for us as well but yeah but maybe maybe that's Part of the problem is just that if the food is coming from so far away that it needs to be packaged so it lasts longer, then we need to look at, um, at getting more locally sourced food. Oh,
3: the, There's so much more that could be getting done in supermarket. I mean, one of the big ones is the packaging. And I, um, I've i become quite picky about what I buy in comparison to the packaging. And it was when my son was little, and it was actually this time of year, because it was the Easter eggs thing. And I was looking at some of these boxes with Easter eggs in and I'm like, right, the Easter egg's about the size of my fist, but the packaging is almost like a, a small suitcase. And I remember thinking, this is ridiculous.
4: Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, my husband's worked in agriculture, um, sort of from a science point of view, and he said the farmers were just rubbing their hands in glee with the fact that they could sell now... A fraction of the, and this is going back 15 years, they could sell a fraction of the amount of salad leaves that they were selling before for a huge amount more money by washing them, picking them, a separate salad leaves, and washing them and putting them in a plastic bag.
5: And also very heartened to hear that the Scottish government's forging ahead with this um, deposit scheme on uh, plastics, glass, and, and tin cans. So. Uh... Within the next couple of years, there'll be um, every single uh, recyclable bottle or can will have uh, 20 pence added to the price, uh, which you then stick back into the shop where you bought it and get a, get a refund.
0: Well, that's good.
5: It is good. I think, as I said, I think 85% of such items are recycled at the moment, but that's still below target, so this, this should help bump up to higher levels.
6: Yeah. Uh,
7: all this talk about let's talk now about oh there's too much packaging on fruit in the shops oh well, you should take your own bag to the shop and uh, fill that up rather than use the plastic bag in the shop and that's got to a ridiculous state now where the shops know that in order to transport the fruit and vegetables to their stores without it getting damaged they pack it all up and then when it comes to the stores they take all the packaging off it and tumble it all into a cardboard box to make people think, oh, look, this is far better for the environment. You're not just not seeing the packaging. That's that's the difference.
1: Well, I do actually have something to report. I'm not really sure if it was my doing, but I like to think it was because the timing was really, really good. So, like, a few weeks ago, I literally come... It wasn't even, like, I didn't make a formal complaint. I just spoke to, like, the two senior team members at my Greg's. I was like, guys, we need to stop using so much fucking plastic when we're... Like, picking up the sweets. Like, it's, so, it's double-layered plastic for every single sweet thing that we sell. Like, it's an empire biscuit. It really doesn't need to be two layers of plastic. Do you know what I mean? And now all the other have tongs for sweets.
0: Well do done!
1: I, mean? so I have no clue if that's anything to do with me. It probably doesn't. It was probably just really good timing. However.
0: Maybe you know, it does have something to do with you, Lily.
1: Really. I mean, I don't know. That'd be quick, quick action. But, you know, we'll take it. Yeah. So there, now we've got tongs instead of plastic.
0: And it almost doesn't really matter, does it? Like, if it's you or... Who it is. It's yeah. It's good that it's happening. Exactly. But I suppose it, I like you to think that it's you because then you might do more stuff like that. Exactly.
1: Yeah, it's totally me. I totally initiated
0: all that. I think people might underestimate how much power they have. As I, individuals.
1: Like, I don't know. I think there's so much that people can do very easily, but they don't think they can do it, so they don't.
0: What's going on with all this biodegradable plastic? Can technology really get us out of this unsustainable habit? There's still a lot of carbon involved in making the biodegradable stuff, right? If it's going to end up in landfill covered in concrete or burned then does it make a difference? I don't know. There's a company um, in Glasgow called, something called Cunatec, so it's spelled C-U-A-N-T-E-C. Um, and this sort of caught my attention because what they're trying to do is produce 100% biodegradable ring holders. So if you buy a four-pack of beer or an eight-pack of beer, you've got that plastic
5: ring that keeps it all together, which, you know, you throw that in the bin, and the current ones aren't biodegradable. What these guys do, um, they're a spinner from Strathclyde University, and as a biologist it caught my attention, um, they're basically taking the leftover from the shellfish fishing industry, so the heads and the claws of scampi, and sort of oyster shells and things like that, and they're fermenting them using sort of biological enzymes, as opposed to breaking them down using chemicals. And this produces a, a natural biopolymer called um, chitin, which is C-H-I-T-I-N. Um, and this is this is used like it's in snail shells and marine um, exoskeletons and things like that. So, and so they're, they're taking this and modifying it with other enzymes to produce uh, a, a plastic that you can use um, as uh, like like to, to hold beer cans. Uh, but it's, it's 100% biodegradable, so if you threw it in the ocean, it would dissolve quite quickly. It's that there's a, a company, um, I think it's a UCL spin in in London, um, where they've developed a. It's like a. I guess the only way I can describe it is like a sort of a bubble, like a plastic bubble, that sort of contains water. Um, so a, it's minimising the amount of plastic that you use, and you like, so you you place the bubble in your mouth. And sort of the, the, I I say this in inverted commas, the plastic that surrounds the the, the water is fully digestible by the human body. So there's absolutely, apart from what comes out the other end, naturally, there's absolutely no waste that is going into landfill or even into the recycling process.
0: Is this a good thing? Vegware?
5: Well, it's better than plastic. It's fully compostable. It's made out of cellulose.
0: But is it gonna come? Are you gonna compost it? Because I don't. Are Edinburgh government gonna compost it? I just
5: think it's a food waste, but it will be.
0: Is that is that what you do? Yeah,
7: yeah.
0: And what about recycling then?
7: I mean, I remember we used to collect um, our newspapers and put them on the terrible on the Tuesday, and they would be taken away by a van, and then they would be packed in bales. And then they would put in a container and then they would be shipped down to rugby where they would be inspected to see um, if they were high quality um, or low quality paper and then they were shipped out to china and then they were put in landfill there's an awful lot of well-meaning people doing well meaning things that in the end are causing more harm than good
0: that's a
3: big thing isn't it because Malaysia have turned around and said they're not going to take our rubbish anymore. And I was like, well, if we all think we're putting all this stuff in recycling buckets, so we're all assuming that it goes off, the council will take it, and it goes to some kind of sorting place, and that that is all dealt with here, without realising that millions of tonnes of it is being taken to various countries abroad, to be dumped for them to deal with and it, a lot of it's toxic horrible stuff that they're then employing their you new know, population to sort through and i think that's terrible and i think if people suddenly had barges all round you know, the country around every like um port with all this rubbish just sitting in their own harbors rotting away they might start Realizing that it's not just a case of recycling, it, I think the message has to really be the reduce and the reuse, and your recycling coming way, way, way down the list because
0: it's not working. I think it's something it's like 7%. One, five, seven percent.
8: Seven,
0: only seven percent of plastic that's been created has been recycled. I think it's quite labour intensive to recycle stuff yeah and right. it takes like a lot of energy and I guess it does mean that you don't have raw materials but actually sorting it out and yeah. getting the exact right bits of plastic that you need for your recycling process is also quite labour intensive and it's it could just be easier to get the oil out of the ground and make that into new plastic and yeah. people haven't really I don't think people have really realised that yeah so
1: I didn't realise it was as low as 7% Jesus
0: that's what I heard the other day and then so they were talking about shampoo bottles and just taking them to get refilled and like a shampoo bottle is, is fit for purpose for 5-6 years you could just keep using that yeah. bottle like it's a decent bit of plastic there's no yeah. problem with that or longer so, the idea that every time you get a new shampoo, you get a new bottle, it, if you think about it, it's kind of madness. That is very true. So, the headline of this article in The Economist was later corrected, and it's actually 9% rather than 7%, but still quite shocking though, right?
2: There should probably be an education programme to tell people what you can and can't recycle the plastic-wise, because a lot of plastic is just too flimsy. Nobody really knows. I I don't know for certain. I know things like crisp packets and cellophane can't be recycled but milk bottles can. There's a a point in between where I'm not quite sure myself. Definitely recycling things like glass and cardboard just means that we don't have to cut down more trees. But At the same
7: time, obviously cutting down on the packaging used in the first place is better than recycling. Yeah. Um, But there's something, it looks like you're doing something if you're recycling. So if you're you're
5: putting stuff in the recycling bin, you're sort of giving yourself a pat on the back, going, hey, I'm not just putting it in flat films. But
0: that's wrong. Well, it's not wrong, but I think recycling has to be like a last measure. Yeah. That's what we're realising now. So it's like, if you can reduce it, not use it at all. And then if you do use it, if you can reuse it. And then if... When all else is you know, there's really it's got holes in it and it's no use to anybody, then you yeah. can recycle it. That's the gotta be the order. But that I think that's quite significant change for most people in their lives. True.
5: True. But I mean it was at different stages, aren't there?
0: Some people don't want to recycle. So So before we recycle, can we refill? One thing I did this week for the first time, because we've got a new kind of um, plastic-free grocers in
6: Banff, they've now started doing the top-ups with the washing-up liquid and the laundry detergent. So for the first time, I took my uh,
3: washing-up liquid in to get topped up rather than just to buy a new one. Um, And that was actually really cheap. I think it was less than 80 pence to fill up like a a half-litre of washing up liquid. So I was really impressed with that. So
5: that's something that I'm definitely going to keep doing. Uh, a tub of active Group online costs about £25. If you come to one of these events with your empty tub, uh, you can fill up exactly the same amount of product for £15. So it's very small. We maybe get two or three people per event doing it. So it's a, it's a minority of our tub customers who currently do it. But we thought we could launch a pilot scheme in um, retail outlets that we have a good relationship with, and we trust, and Run and Become in an Edinburgh would be a prime example of that, where we could sort of launch this scheme where we provide them with a hopper of powder, and then they're, they're, they're regular customers. You know, they buy the active root from them or from us, and then they can go back there and, and get the same amount of product at a lower cost, so it's worth it for them. Um, and obviously, it's less tub usage used by active root as a whole. So, it's a, it's a win-win. Um, so, yeah, it's something that we have we have thought about. Um, we, but we haven't implemented it yet. We literally, it was mentioned about two weeks ago in a, in a discussion. So.
9: Um, shops that are allowing you to go in and buy, you know, say pasta or cereal or flour or something. Um, buy the item itself, but use your own container, which is great. But that's not a new idea, you know. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, that was something that was quite commonplace. Every high street had a shop where you could go and do that. They would have massive big bins of grains and things and nuts and seeds and all that kind of stuff.
0: But the jar shop, they've got this thing, because I guess I think most people would like to use a reusable cup and then they've forgotten it, right? And they're like, oh, I need a coffee. I forgot to bring my, they're not in the habit of carrying their coffee cup. So at the jar shop they've got this thing it's like karma jars so you just if you remember to bring your jars you bring a whole load and you just leave them there and then you can just use other people's jars they've always got a stash of jars so if it could be like that where it's like karma coffee cups where one day you're like right I've remembered my coffee cup I'm going to take ten and then you just leave them there (laughs) and then you can go ten times and forget it and take someone else's coffee cup Yeah Would that work? I think so
1: and just like with an actual like paper Greg's cup and they just fill that up again which I think's cool. Some of the waitrose around the country have been going plastic free and it's like instead of like bags of frozen fruit there's like a frozen fruit picking mix and they've just not got any of their fruits and vegetables in plastic packaging and they've got like They're not like the vending machines, but you know the thing where you like pull a lever and things fall out of it? Like a dispenser for like all of like their nuts and seeds and dried stuff. And it's like that makes so much more sense. And it looks like, you know, environmental stuff aside, it just looks so much nicer as well. Like I I would want to go there more than I would want to go to somewhere covered in plastic because it just looks cool,
0: you know? So we start thinking about the bigger picture. Beyond each individual's decision, is any of this making a significant impact?
7: During the war, um, they had people cut down their railings to make uh, battleships, and hand in their aluminium pots and pans to make spitfires. And there was big collections, and it was all—all the stuff was collected. And so, if you look around cities, you can see all the places where, you know. Um, Townhouses had railings around them, and now they don't. Because of that, uh, you know, we're doing our bit for the war effort. It was all bullshit. People, they weren't using that because you can't make you can't make battleships out of iron railings, and you can't make uh, Spitfires out of the quality of aluminium that you get that you that you make cookware with. But it meant people thought that they were being involved, you know, and they were getting behind the war effort. And that's what's happening now with this whole drive towards climate change. Uh, We're changing our light bulbs. Uh, We've stopped using um, cotton buds that have got plastic stalks. We're using the rolled paper ones that we used to have in the olden days. Um, and so we're doing a bit for the environment. We're recycling our food, and we're putting our paper away and our cardboard away, and all of that. And we're, you know, we're really cleaning up our act, and it makes absolutely no difference whatsoever, really.
4: But it makes us feel better about it. Um, is changes in our regulations about packaging? So, for a start, that there were. Regulations saying um, there are certain types of packaging that just shouldn't be produced, if possible, well, that's more difficult to do, but certainly that packaging should be made out of certain plastics, that there should be, based on scientific evidence, a small number of plastics that it can be made out of, and our recycling facilities around the country should be able to support those. So the two things need to go hand in hand and just make that legislation and say if you're going to make packaging materials they've got to be made out of these things
0: so tell me um what you've been up to then like for the planet have you done anything yeah
2: well today i got a telephone call from greenpeace funny enough what yeah i thought is is that something with hazel she's like yeah i'm from from greenpeace but it's because i signed a petition about the plastic stuff ages ago okay um so i'm now a member of greenpeace so going to do £5 a month to Greenpeace because yeah, we're talking about large companies and I think I mentioned it the last time we spoke to you as well as that like how big like, a responsibility they've got that they're not really taking that could help make it a lot easier for people um, like for example she was talking about palm oil in the uh, Indonesian rainforest in the forest in Indonesia and I was like yeah, it's in everything once you start looking for it it's in everything and she's like so, I guess, but palm oil's not bad, it's just what the companies do to get the palm oil to put it into everything. Um, so, that's part of the reason why I kind of thought, yeah, I will donate to any pieces. I've never done a donation thing before, like a direct debit thing like that. Because I thought, this is about getting a voice heard, and it made me think of, do you know, the, I can't remember if it was a cartoon or if it was uh, an anime, but it was like an elephant. And a mouse walked up to him and was like, excuse me, excuse me. And the elephant was just ignoring him. And then another mouse came and another mouse into those like, hundreds of mice. And then all at the same time, they all shouted, excuse me. And the, the elephant noticed them. And I think that's quite important. And what she said was that um, the, the petition that I had signed, she asked me why I wanted to sign the petition and stuff. And I pretty much said what I've just said there. And she said, yeah, it was the guess It was, was it three quarters of a million, she said. It was, it's the largest petition that's ever been in the UK. So that's pretty
3: good. that folk can't not listen to that. Because um, I spoke to you just now about the boycotting of companies. Um, There are certain companies out there that I will not have anything to do with Um, for reasons, you know, some that are, well known for dodging taxes, uh, there's an, another company that's uh, had umpteen fines from the World Health Organization
2: because of their activities in you know developing countries. Um, so for me, that's that's something that I've held on to no matter what position I've
3: been in financially. And I think sometimes that people forget that it's not these companies that have the power; it's us because. If something happened and every person in the country suddenly decided for one day or two days, we're not going to buy anything from Amazon, or we're not going to buy anything from Tesco, that would have a crippling effect on these companies. And it's all because people have turned around and said, actually, do you know what? We're going to take our business elsewhere. And I think if people suddenly started realizing that more, you'd suddenly see these companies reacting more, going, oh, right, people are serious, they are going to. Boycott us, or they're not going to buy this product if we don't
8: do something to improve our situation. She mentioned that what might be needed is an authoritarian level of government in terms of the regulation required to get the average everyday citizen to either not have any access to non recyclable and non reusable um, containers which I guess would also <laughs> include a nappy, which <laughs> contains something after it's been used, um, or alternatively have such strict uh, rules upon the, the regulation, perhaps with pricing or um, access to only certain stores that sell them or something, that that level of top-down involvement and regulation perhaps would be like, one of the best, I mean, it makes sense, of course, for regulation to be, like, a significant solution to this problem, but the idea of authoritarian level regulation um, would be, you know, obviously for a capitalist country like the U.S. and for many places in Europe, but since Europe has also already some socialist qualities to it, it seems like just for the U.S., getting rid of personal freedoms is, I think, like, one of the biggest challenges to the um, behaviour change required for consumptive habits to shift into more um, conservation-based consumptive habits.
0: There's an interesting layer to this which is about trust and about can we trust people to be educated enough to make the right decision? Yeah. A
10: lot lot of people won't if that right decision right decision if there is one is less convenient or more expensive like that convenience and cost are always going to be at the top of a lot of people's minds for good reasons for people who are time pushed and financially insecure as well as all people who just can't be bothered
0: how do you decide what to prioritize
9: oh god that's such a good question um Honestly, for
0: me, it's convenient. If I'm if
5: I change a, a habit or behaviour, uh, in to the benefit of sort of you know the environment, for example, then and it wasn't convenient for me. I think I'd have to work hard at that to uh, really sort of change change the needle on the compass, so to speak. I suppose those three
7: things: convenience, time, and money. People are willing to change to whatever is best for them. Um, If you look at how quickly mobile phones were accepted or how quickly people have moved from shopping locally to getting everything from Amazon because it's faster and quicker and it's more convenient and it's cheaper. People will do all of these things if they see a perceived benefit in it for them. People are really quick to change if it benefits them. People say that oh, people are resistant to change. No, 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 they're not resistant to change. So you have to make it so that the environmentally sound thing to do
8: is is cheaper and better and more convenient for them. One significant barrier is uh, this thing called cognitive rigidity, and um, how that applies as a barrier is in the, in the United States. With the baby boomers and not just the US, I guess post-World War II, there's tens of millions of people, and if not hundreds globally, that were born in the 50s and in the 60s that are now getting into their 60s and 70s, retiring and trying to pursue a lifestyle that is mostly unsustainable from a historical concept of what quality of life means, how it's linked to convenience. That's a significant barrier to shift the cultural model that the current generation, I guess like our age, 30s and 40s and 20s and whatever, is being raised on, this idea that convenience and the celebrity lifestyle and these different things about gentrification are not only okay, but that you should pursue that for your for your quality of life.
0: So if we unwrap the shiny, hygienic, clear plastic outer layer of this issue and explore what's in the pretty, attractively designed, sealed for freshness box, we discover a couple of interesting things. Firstly, this right that we think we have to convenience. And secondly, our complete disconnect to where everything we use and eat comes from, how and where it's made. For many products, the energy that goes into producing packaging really is the tip of the melting iceberg, which by the way, is actually made out of rubbish that we have dumped in the ocean. So when I started this project and began looking at the little things in my life that I wanted to change, there was one thing that made me a bit uncomfortable. One place that I really didn't want to go, nappies. I have two small children, both in nappies. Just as an aside, if you're listening to this in America or Canada, then we're talking about diapers. Aussies and Brits say nappy. So, if I'm honest, I didn't want to look at the nappy situation too closely. There was a lurking guilt there as every week I put out a heavy, stinky bin destined for landfill. My friend Morag said, hey, you should speak to my sister about nappies because she's looked into it. And I sighed and braced myself. I arranged a chat with the amazing Katrina about nappies, and I'm so glad I did. I love her story, and it inspired me beyond just changing the way that I use nappies. I also think this story is a fantastic illustration of what a long, tricky journey it can be once you set your mind to trying to get to the bottom of an issue, pun intended. Here's Katrina.
11: It made me feel kind of duped by these big, you know, brands. Thinking, mean, hang on, you, you're being really irresponsible, but you're also being irresponsible in that you're not even letting me know. You know, there's no warning on the packet. That I mean, I, don't, I just, I just felt duped by them, but also felt a bit silly that I hadn't talked about it. Um, I've looked into alternatives. there was a fair bit of outlay at the start to get all your bits and bobs. And, it, you know, over the course of time, then it's absolutely the cheapest way to do it. But I just, as much as this was really bothering me, I didn't, fa- I just didn't want to do that. I, I just didn't want to do it. Um, and another friend then mentioned that she uses a brand of disposable nappies, but they're biodegradable and they biodegrade within four to five years. And okay, that's still four to five years, but it's a hell of a lot shorter than 450 years. Uh, and so the brand is called Kit and Kin, and it's actually owned by Baby Spice. So I took, so looking into the no waste recycling, they were looking to, they, they did a study, pilot study, in Scotland, and they were looking to open a plant in Scotland, which I find really exciting. The results of that study were probably um, as you would expect that the, the uptake of the, the, the best tier the, 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 the um, all singing or dancing just put your nappies at the curbside you know the uptake was pretty much 100% of the real success whereas the people that were told brilliant there is a recycling uh, option for your nappies now this is where you take them it wasn't as popular or wasn't as, um, or wasn't as successful and there was some uptake but it just wasn't as successful um, but obviously that's more of a cost there involved to the, the council um, to, to provide bins, to provide curbside uh, uplift, all in no-waste and um, actually then shut down the Midlands plant and they've gone. Um, so I chatted to, they, they still had a UK rep and I chatted a bit with him on, uh, by email And he said, you know, they were still really interested in in working within the UK, but they weren't getting the backing from local councils and from government. He'd had many chats with the Scottish government about it. And I don't know the ins and outs, but for some reason, they weren't um, getting the support that they needed to build uh, a recycling centre in Scotland. So I thought, right, what am I going to do about this now, and I got myself an appointment with my local MSP, who's Alex Cole Hamilton, and um, he's in the, he's a Lib Den, and I know he's a father of three, and I just thought he might be a good place to start, and, you know, he was, he he was great, he was really interested, Um, i only got, you know, 20 minutes of his time, but he, he, he took on board what I was saying and he put forward a a motion to parliament on on my behalf. Um, Which sounds quite exciting when you don't really know what a motion to parliament means, but actually it didn't really do anything. And all that came back was um, that they quoted back to me the same um, chat that I would given them about this uh, pilot study that had been done. Um, So it, it it was a waste of time, really. But what Alex Cole-Hamilton suggested was he said that we really need to get some sort of cross-party agreement on it and suggested that I get in touch with the Green Party. So that took a wee while, but in January this year, I managed to get an appointment with Andy Whiteman, who's the Green Party um, MSP. And interestingly, he he hadn't viewed nappies as a single-use classic before. His take... Was a bit more. We should be more like the Germans in that um, we um, we need to go back to the reusable cloth um, with with fats of chemicals in our kitchens and our and uh, washing it all. And you know, I get it. Maybe that is the greenest way to do it. But I said, listen, I'm I'm here in front of you. You're the second MSP that's spoken to about this. This is how bothered I am about it. Yet I'm not bothered enough to have. To, to do that, I, 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 life's complicated enough, it's busy enough. I, I just want to have my baby bag with my disposable nappies in it and be done. You know, I, I, I don't want to go down the washing nappies route many layers. And um, what, he, what we left as was that this was too broad and big a campaign, really, for one, one little mum at her kitchen table to take on by herself. And it would probably take quite a few years after... And during those years, I'm going to be become a non-nappy user, and I might lose interest. He, he was just, you know, and I appreciated his honesty, actually, and his frankness. And I thought, you know, he's got a point. Um, it's very much in my forefront of my life just now, because I'm using them every day, and I'm getting reminded of it every day. But, um, yeah, I can't, I can't take this on. I can't take dampers on myself from my the kitchen table. So I, what, the, um, what I've got from both him and Andy Feidman, the Green Party MSP, is that their hands are a little bit tied. What they what they want, they, well, what they both kind of said is, once there's a campaign, once there's, you know, radio chat about it, um, newspaper articles, a petition, uh, you know, once, once a campaign is actually on the go, then as MSPs, they'll add their clout to it. But they can't start a campaign or lead a campaign. So that that's, and that was interesting to hear as well. So he's, he's pretty much saying, I'm with you, I agree with you, but you need to go and do the, or, or along with Friends of the Earth or, you know, whoever else, but you need to go and start, you know, this campaign needs to be rolling before I, I can actually have an effect on it. If, if it's even just to get into people's minds that nappies,
4: are a single-use plastic. So when sound bites are put out about um, uh, thinking of plastic forks and plastic spoons and, and straws and plastic
0: bags, if, if nappies could also be in that list of things that people, you know, in the forefront of their mind think of as a single-use, then it'll make us all a bit more aware. It's been, a, it's been about 12 months. Yeah. And
11: you know it's, it's I can't say that I'm, I've been doing a hammer and tong so it's not yeah. I, 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 I've just constantly kind of just rolled the stone I feel like uh, the image that came to my head there was this big stone and every so often I try and just push it over uh, and keep it going along the road you know um, it does feel like quite uh, a heavy stone to push along but if I just keep on doing it eventually we might get to the top of a hill and it might start rolling down the hill but I haven't uh, investigated how they're made, you know, and even even the, even the social economic side of that, who makes them, how are they getting paid? You know, there's so many layers to it that before we start a campaign, here we are, we start a campaign, yeah. we need to know what we're fighting for or, or, or that
6: we're not going to get um, someone coming along and saying, oh, hang on, you've not done your homework.
0: So, at this point in the conversation, I was ready to start a campaign. I imagined getting everyone talking about it. Petitions, lobbies, social media. Nappy recycling made so much sense, didn't it? I started talking to other people about it and doing some research myself. I even wrote to my MP and to Kitten Kin, Baby Spice's nappy company, to try and understand a bit more about those. I ordered some to try. They told me that the nappies are produced in Mexico then shipped by sea over to Belgium to their hub warehouse and then delivered to the UK. And they said two-thirds of our nappy will biodegrade in the three to six years when oxygen is available, the remaining parts of our nappy will continue to naturally biodegrade until they reach the deepest darkest layer of landfill where there's no oxygen or conditions that allow further biodegradation. The remaining part of our nappy will continue to degrade but at a slower pace and this is because we've taken into consideration the conditions on a typical landfill where ultimately the longer the nappy will stay in the landfill the deeper it will get and therefore the access to oxygen will be reduced. Which then brings us to the subject of landfills and the fact that they all differ from each other and therefore it's very difficult for us to answer your question with very specific figures. As an environmentally conscious company, we are in conversations with local councils and hope that a better alternative for recycling our nappies can be provided. But this will take a bit of time until volumes allow such a service. Now, I'm under the impression that where I live, a lot of waste is burned just now. So is it better for me to buy from this brand? What are my alternatives, Climates? I'm trying um, to get to the bottom of nappies, like what to do about nappies, because
9: don't have kids. That would be a good way to minimise energy resources. See, that's one thing that I'm doing. I'm not having kids. It's not. To, it's not to be environmentally friendly. It's uh, just because I don't have any intention of having
0: any. It's unintentionally is quite environmentally friendly.
3: <laughs> oh, absolutely! I mean, nappy recycling. That would be huge and i know what you you go through if you're not using like the terry Towling ones then you you're going to go through a huge number of these disposable nappies and i i totally get it especially if you've got a couple of young children you're running around all day it's so much easier and quicker just deal with this disposable nappy i'm not saying it's right but i totally understand why people do it um and as for older people I just think that would be amazing to be able to put this somewhere and recycle it. You can get reusable nappies for babies, but to say to an adult who maybe has incontinence issues, I'm now going to put you in this nappy, I actually think would be quite humiliating. So if we can recycle incontinence products, even better.
0: So I've just been listening back to my conversation with Katrina about nappies and I had a bit of time to do some googling so I looked up uh, nappies as a single-use plastic to see if I could educate myself and I first of all read that nappies, the disposable nappies are 50% plastic and 50% wood pulp that they are more damaging than a coffee cup and that in the UK we throw away 8 million of them every day which is about 400,000 tonnes and we only throw away 25,000 tonnes of coffee cups so how much is that? Like 16 times as many tonnes of nappy as coffee cup every day that's quite a lot most of these articles are trying to get me to use cloth nappies Calm, interesting nappy fact that I've just discovered apparently the nappies were never made to make life easier for new parents but they were designed by Marion Donovan because of a cotton shortage after World War two I've just watched a very informative video about how disposable nappies are made I've looked at uh, some pictures of the factory and uh, seeing about the, the different layers and these sort of really absorbent gels, crystals, that go in to the nappies that help wick the liquid away from baby's skin and reduce nappy rash. Um, and the people who are working in this factory look quite happy. But I'm just going to do a little bit more research into that. Um, I don't really love all the idea of all these chemicals and sort of plastic for my baby's skin but I also like my experience of how dry it keeps them and how comfortable they are um, makes me think that actually I just need to embrace the fact that we live in a world that is got a lot of chemical and plastic products in it but if you,
10: it depends whether you're trying to reduce your emissions or reduce your waste and you want, you want a solution, that works for all of that. You also want a solution that doesn't create an extra horrible burden on your family slash probably mum. But then you also want something that's kind to your baby's skin. And, you know, there's, there's so many different things and your choice might depend on which way you feel most strongly about which thing. But it sort of feels logical, but in whatever way you can. You want to reduce the amount of resource you're using, and although there might be a emissions outlay from cloth nappies, as long as you don't then throw them all away. That's, I don't know, something about having fewer things in the world, fewer bits of single use resource in the world it feels like such a logical thing at this point.
2: What, right. what used to happen in the old days was somebody had a baby and they went out and bought a lot of a load of Terry tower nappies. And then once they didn't need them anymore, they were passed on to somebody else in the family. Once they didn't need them anymore, they were passed on to somebody else. So they
0: probably got about go ten children's worth out of, out of one set of old nappies. Yeah. And then you use them for cleaning rags. Yep.
12: Yeah. When I was a child I knew that my mother um pinned me into terry-toweling nappies, and nobody thought anything different. Um, It was just what you did, because we didn't have this terrible disposable culture that we have now.
0: I guess it was listening back to some of these chats that I realised perhaps I should be thinking about cloth nappies. When my children were born, I hadn't really considered cloth nappies. I was vaguely aware that there was some study showing that when you considered the environmental impact of cloth production washing and drying, the carbon emission savings were minimal, But hey, I had enough to take in, and having a baby turns life upside down. There's loads of new stuff to work out. I had images of being sleeves rolled up, scrubbing poo late into the night, crying tears of exhaustion. No thank you. Most people I knew used disposable, my family, my midwife, my friends. Everyone assumed that we would too. Hey, anything that eases the life of new parents has to be good, doesn't it? Maybe there's still a hang-up in the air from when we didn't have washing machines. Anyway, I hunted around for some second-hand nappies to try. There's a lively trade in my local real nappy community. And I have to say I'm a total convert. I love them. I feel so much better about using them. They've just become part of the routine. No problem with the kids, no problem with the nursery. They're cheaper, greener, they're prettier. I mean... The day that we're done and I sell them to the next user, I can't say that I expect to be weeping to let that part of my life go. But honestly, I don't know why they, they aren't the default choice.
12: I'm currently obsessed with um, menstrual cups. I'm quite, um, feeling quite evangelical about them. So if you want to ask about, um, if but you might not want to have such. Um, I do. Biological I'm, I'm, no, I'm really interested because I haven't had detail. a period
0: for like four years because I've either been pregnant or breastfeeding i have got two little babies, and you don't get your periods during this time. So unfortunately, they're going to come back soon.
12: But I suppose what has come to my attention as a consequence of using this menstrual cup is how wasteful periods are, and what a lot of stuff. I learnt um, recently that an astonishing number of tampons have flushed down the toilet, which disgusted me, like millions, millions every year. It's rank, and I don't understand how people... um, grow up thinking that this is a normal, sensible thing to do. Thing that I think is a big improvement
9: because I think women's sanitary products are just, like, ludicrously wasteful. So I've been thinking for years of trying a moon cup. Yeah. And then I was visiting a friend a couple of years ago and she, um, I think I mentioned it, mentioned it, she mentioned it two years ago, she was saying, oh, yeah, yeah, it's really good. So having spoken to somebody who used well, one, oh, I'm, I'm prepared to give it a go. It took a bit of getting used to for a few months, but it's brilliant. Just, like, you know, I me not need to buy tampons of sanitary towels, and it's, it's
6: so much less wasteful. It's great. I have a colleague who I worked with two years ago, and she introduced me to stinks pants. She told me that she was wearing period pants right there and then and i was like hold the phone because very right, well you imagine like a big nappy <laughs> you know yeah. and uh she showed me the website and i was blown away by the website uh, because it was really slick the advertisement didn't show you blue liquid being poured onto sandra towel and said it was like red liquid being poured on uh, uh, an underwear and it was all being absorbed and i was like oh my god it's blowing my mind it did cost a bit I got like you know you need to get knickers enough knickers for like your period however long that would be um and they advised you which how much um blood it could hold so it was like two two tampons worth or one tampon worth and I was just I was just loving how honest this like website was and I've been now using them for a year uh every cycle and I love them they've changed my life i I've told all my female friends about them. When I worked at an all-girls school last year, I told all my classes about them, um, which was really funny because you got mixed reviews with that. Um, so What did your about. classes say? <laughs> it was really, it was really, really funny because you'd literally have half the class going "ew" and the other half going "interesting," you know, because. Sanitary products are taboo anyway. You know, I think we're only getting more open about them now. And I felt, how do you be open about sanitary products? You just be open about it. Like, I, I like to lead by example. That's why I love being a teacher. Because I can't be embarrassed. You know, that would that's detrimental to my students if I'm embarrassed about stuff. It's better if I'm confident and say, this isn't an issue. Let's talk about it. Um, so I do know... That there are quite a few students now who are using them, and that makes me really happy because even if only a few of them have taken that idea, then that's a few less people putting that sort of waste into our environment. You want to change the world, you can't
1: stand by. Just you know, man,
0: it stops On your suggestion of litter picking, I went out litter picking with Martin with our litter picker, and we Amazing. found the prize pants. That was the that was the main were they thing. Men's,
6: were they men's pants or women's pants? Adult men's
0: pants. Adult men's pants.
6: There you go. Someone's got a cold bum on the way home. <laughs> yeah.
3: But someone's also had a great night. <laughs> <laughs> the mind
0: boggle. Yes.
6: Ah. and every winter you see it again and then the leaves come and you don't see it and then you forget about it and it because you're like oh the song's still there ah.
0: do you think i can reach it with my litter picker or would that be a shame
6: no i feel like that's like art <laughs> i'm like a member of the community i'm gonna write a poem about it
0: <laughs> please will you write a poem about Climates in this episode were Lily, Derek, Stanley, Anne, Debbie, Pab, Michael, Geraldine, George, Kevin, Katrina, Greta, Claire, Maddie, Catherine and I'm Hazel and thank you for listening. This is an independent production by which I mean I'm a mum making this in my bedroom and the only support I have is that of my mum looking after my kids and my husband putting up with me going on and on about it. But if you enjoyed the podcast and you can tell your friends there's a link to it on social media um, leave a nice review maybe. That would be amazing. Thank you. you change the world you can't stand by.
1: Just, you know, man,
0: it From what comes out to what goes in. The next episode is all about food and here's an appetizer.
4: So I can go weeks without thinking about buying clothes. And you know, I can go weeks without thinking about needing a holiday, but you can't really go you can't go more than a few hours without thinking about food, like Yeah. So and also I guess we have a much more emotional connection to food. Yeah.
0: Blame
4: it podcast.
6: That was good. <laughs> <laughs>